I wonder how many of you have the same personality flaw that I have, and that is that you tend to take on too much. How many, how many of you? Yeah, some of you are like amening for your spouse. I'm asking for you. How many of you? Lift it, and, 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 raise it up and leave it up. Raise it up and leave it up. That's you. Isn't confession good for the soul? Doesn't that just feel good? Some of you getting set free right here, and it, it just right at the beginning. You tend to take on too much. I remember uh, once when I learned this as a teenager. I was 15 years old, and I worked for a roofing company uh, that you know just laid shingles on the roof. And I had done hard work, but I'd never done that kind of work before. And so we got out there with the crew, and I worked Thursday and Friday. And the boss said, hey, great, uh, come back Monday, we're going to break you in. Anybody, anybody know? I didn't know what that meant. I'd only heard that phrase uh, in terms of like horses, when you break a horse in. I, I, didn't, I didn't know what breaking in was. I thought, well, whatever, you know, I'll be back Monday. So we arrive before daylight, uh, have breakfast, and about sunup, we make it to the work site. We get out there, we're working, it's in Memphis, it's hot, it's up in the mid-90s, stuffy humidity in the summer, in new neighborhoods, no trees, just new subdivision, and we're, uh, so he says, so here's what I want you to do. Uh, these two guys are going to be working on this roof, and your job is to, is to put the shingles up on the, on the tow board there faster than they can lay them, because you don't want them waiting on you. Um, you want to keep the shingles up on the roof and keep them supplied. And you know, a couple of those guys had had uh, had laid a lot of shingles. They were they were pretty fast. And I thought two guys. It's a two-story house, which means a two-story ladder. For those of you who aren't aren't equipped with that kind of knowledge. Um, and and so I was 15, and my little 15-year-old frame was struggling to carry. And I remember the weight uh, vividly: 78 pounds is how much a bundle of shingles way and I, I was kind of struggling to you know up two two stories well I'd never worked around quite this kind of folks before I mean I didn't come from a great neighborhood but this was a different level of human being here um, you know we'd take a break and, and they would say things to me I'd never heard of you know I, I'd never heard things the kind of things they had said and I thought uh, I came from a house with a pretty good amount of cursing but I mean I'd heard things I'd never heard and so uh, that was day three and so we take a break. There's no shade, so we take a break. We go down in the garage. That's the only shade. We'd sit down there, and you know they would take, uh, you know, weed breaks. You know, mar smoke marijuana, and you know, hey, you want to hit off this? I was like, brother, I'm having trouble getting up the ladder as it is. I don't, I don't feel like this is going to do either me or you any good if you know what I'm saying. So no, I'm, I thank you. I'm fine. You know, uh, and so then about 10 o'clock, um, the foreman came around. He said, hey, listen. Since we're breaking you in today, you already know when that's the intro, you got a problem. Since we're breaking you in today, um, cross the street and, and over two houses, I'm putting three guys on that house. I need you to keep them shingles on the roof too. So for that day, I was to supply five roofers on two houses. Hey, thankfully, they took it easy on me. That was just a single story. It was a miracle there. I had to climb up the ladder, you know, one floor. Uh, but I had to keep them both supplied. And I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day... Uh, I, I walked like I'd been riding a horse all day. I was broke and tired and sweaty and trying to figure out, is this really what I want in my future? You know what I mean? Is this really what the Lord has for me? And uh, I did finish the job, and I kept working several more weeks, a few more months. 
and, uh, and finally found another job and decided, I don't really think that God's called me to that. I don't, I don't feel that's my calling. And so uh, I took a different job. But that kind of reminds me how sometimes we try to live life. We take on more than we can handle. And this part of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at today, more than any other part, speaks directly into that vacuum. It, 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 this, in my view, this is maybe the most countercultural part of the Lord's Prayer. In that, not only do we try to take on more than we can handle, we actually live in a day and age where society encourages us to take on more than we can handle. We can get jobs where we work day and night. We have technology so we can be connected and have 24-7 access to everybody all the time. We have electricity so we don't have to go to bed when the sun goes down. I mean, all of technology sort of moves us toward in, in a direction that we are less human and more machine-like. Just made to stamp out and produce the next thing. And when you live in a culture that encourages that, Things like prayer <laughs> sort of get shoved out of the way. Things that are good for us, rhythms that are good for us get pulled, uh, pushed out of the way. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. So what I want you to catch here is um, Jesus' response to the request, teach us how to pray was he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Now, how implies a pattern, not an exact replica. In other words, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, it's perfectly fine to recite it. It's perfectly fine to memorize it. But what was Jesus' intention when he gave it to us? Was his intention that we might memorize it and just say it? Or was his intention that from within it, we might learn how to pray? I think that's what he intended because in Matthew chapter 6, he actually says, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, this is how you should pray. Now, this is the greatest prayer ever given because it's the one Jesus gave to teach us by. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, uh, just to absorb it into our bones, would you stand with me and I want us to... Just pray the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Are you ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You can be seated. When Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them to pray, this is what he said. The, the question we've been asking in this series is, why did Jesus give them this pr prayer to teach them how to pray? And what was it he was wanting them to learn about prayer? So more than just learning the right prayer to pray, he actually wanted them to learn how to pray. And you see the difference. And so that's how we're looking at this. Last week we talked about our Father's kingdom 
And we looked at verse 9 and 10. Today we want to look at verse 11, and we're going to talk about our daily needs. So look at Matthew 6, 11. Give us today our daily bread. So what did Jesus want them to learn about prayer when he said, pray like this. Give us today our daily bread. If you have something to write with, let me give you a few thoughts. I'm going to take a different word of that prayer and try to back it up and say, what does that mean about how we should pray? Number one, prayer should be filled with gratitude. So look back at verse 11 again. Look at this first word I've highlighted for you. Give. Give. Give isn't a word that comes natural to most of us. In some settings, it would be considered rude to ask for something. Uh, in some settings, it would be rude to receive something. No, no, it's polite to say no. And, but we're Americans. We're, we're individualists. We're taught to you know, go our own way, to, to do it ourselves, to be self-reliant, to do whatever it takes, to, 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 to push through, to go the extra mile, to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And, and most people feel they've learned the hard, from the hard-knock school and they've paid their dues. It's part of our culture. So we're tempted to say, no one has ever given me anything. I did the night classes. I did the online classes. I got the extra degree. I put in the extra work. I worked night shift. I did my time, and I earned what I have. Now, I want to ask you something. If that's true, then what place does gratitude have in your life? What place does gratitude have in your life? Why would Jesus teach us to pray, Father, give, if we're going to earn it all ourselves? If every good thing that's ever happened in my life is because I earned it, then why would Jesus teach us this prayer about, about Father, give something to me? You, well, let me give you a, a, a little bit of background. You know, without God, we wouldn't have food, Right? Because God created the plants that we eat, and not just that, He created the plants that the animals eat that we eat, and not just that, He created the seeds that make the plants. So without God, we really wouldn't even have food. We can't make sunlight, I mean, maybe a little bit artificial, but not enough to feed the whole world. We can't make water. So you might be the one that got an education, or you might be the one that worked hard at the job you have, but who gave you the ability? You didn't decide your personality. You didn't choose your own strengths. You didn't create all the opportunities that you've had in your life. And, and look, even with our health, uh, uh, we have a, some influence over our health. But the truth is, good health, uh, uh, by and large, is also a gift of God. James chapter 1, verse 17 says it like this. I want you to look at the first word of this verse. What is that first word? Every. What does that include? All of them. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So I, I've thought about that verse for many years now like this. If it's good and it's in my life, God gave it to me. If it's good and it's in my life, God gave it to me. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have the ability to earn it all. There was a woman rushing home from a doctor's appointment um, that had ran late. And she was in a hurry because she had to stop by and pick up a prescription. She had to pick up her children from childcare. She had to get home and get dinner. And she had to get everybody ready for church that night. So wouldn't you know it, just as she pulls in the Walmart parking lot, 
you know, a downpour like yesterday, like the storm that came. A big rain came and just began to flood the parking lot. She thought, oh, man. And she usually didn't bother God with that kind of stuff, but she was very frustrated. And so she prayed, Lord, you know what kind of day I've had. Please give me a parking spot, you know, close to the building. And just as she was praying, the backup lights from a car popped on, and it was the very front spot right by the door. So as that car began to back out, she pushed the gas pedal. You know, you don't want to lose a deal like that. So she zoomed up there, you know, so she could get it. And uh, just as she was pulling in, she said, never mind, God, something just opened up. Prayer should be filled with gratitude because God has given us more than we think he has. Whatever you think God has given you, whatever it is, he's given you more than that. And that's true for all of us. So it's from the realization of how good God has been that we ask our Father, give. It's the way Jesus taught us to pray. Philippians 4, 6 echoes the same idea. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, here it is, with what? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. It is completely appropriate, expected, and God even invites you to bring the needs of your life to Him in prayer. But the way that we bring them is on a platter of gratitude. We serve them up to him and say, God, here, here's another one. And I know that you're good, and I thank you for being good, and I know that you've met all my needs up until today. And so, Lord, it's with thanksgiving that I, that I bring this prayer need to you today. Number two, prayer should not only be um, filled with gratitude, prayer should be plural. Look at verse 11 again. Give us. Isn't that interesting? If, if an American wrote it, it would say, give me. Or maybe even a Westerner. But it says, give us today our daily bread. I just want to read for you the, um, through the framework of the Lord's Prayer, the, the plural spots. Our Father, give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we have forgiven. Lead us, deliver us. In order to make the New Testament about any individual Christian, you would actually have to go and rewrite the whole thing. Because the entire New Testament is seen through the lens of community. It's seen through the lens of a group, of a tribe, of a church, of a house church, of a family, of, 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 a, of a jailer that Paul met who said, you and your whole household will be saved. The whole thing's plural. So... How much of your prayer is plural? How, how much of your prayer is about a family or a group or a church or a county or a country? How much of your prayer flows that direction versus how much is, is it about an individual or maybe even just yourself? Here's what I know about prayer. The more we grow in Jesus, the more our prayers are going to become plural and they're going to include other people and they're going to be about other people. Help this family. Lord, it's not just this person, but this whole family is affected by this. God, help this family. God, help, 
Help this small group in our church. This leadership decision is going to affect the whole. Lord, help this team. God, help this church. Lord, help the churches in this community. It's plural. The Lord's Prayer is plural. And I don't think it was by accident that Jesus did this. Prayer is inclusive and actually invites us to engage life from a sense of community. We, at Kingwood, we say it like this. We're better together. Number three, prayer should produce contentment. Here's a very important word in this prayer. Give us today. Today. Very simple word. This is a prayer of confidence that God will provide and meet my needs today. Don't you find that most of your worry and most of your fear and most of your anxiety comes from when you think about tomorrow or next week or next year or next month or what's going to happen when or what's going to happen if we can't get this fixed or what's going what's to go wrong in the future? One of the devil's greatest um, tricks is to discourage us. He can't defeat us. He can't defeat us because we're sons and daughters of God. But he can discourage us and he can trick us into giving up. And one of the ways that he tries to discourage us is he tries to suck us into this battle where we're actually trying to live a week at a time or a month at a time or a year at a time or five years at a time. We're trying to live the whole thing in one day. And it's a trap and it's a trick and it's discouraging and it's overwhelming. And he says things to us like, if you can't handle this, what's going to happen when? What's going to happen next month, or what's going to happen next year, or what's going to happen if this goes wrong? And what he's trying to get us to do is to solve tomorrow's problems with today's strength. And you know what I know? Today's strength is not enough to fight tomorrow's problems. You will lose. And he knows it too. But guess what? God's got strength for tomorrow he hasn't given you yet. And that's what the enemy will never tell you. God has a whole quantity of strength prepared and ready. Lamentation says, your mercy is new every morning. So if you fight tomorrow with tomorrow's strength, you're going to win. If you fight tomorrow with today's strength, you're going to lose. You're going to lose every time. And that's where most of our fear comes from. That's where most of our anxiety comes from. Jesus was an absolute master at living in the present. We don't ever see Jesus wringing his hands or panicking or thinking, you know, what's going to happen? That Judas, boy, he's shifty-eyed. I tell you, you got to watch him. He's coming for me. What's going to happen when he, you know, sells me out? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You don't ever see Jesus living that way. Jesus was a master at living in the present, and he taught us to pray in the present. Give us today. Our daily bread. You know what that reminds us of? That reminds us of the Jews who were being led in the, in the wilderness in the Old Testament. Remember? God was leading them from slavery to the promised land. By the way, you and I are on the same journey. We're not in heaven yet. <laughs> but hopefully, if you've met Jesus, some of that bondage has begun to fall off. But you're on a journey toward the promised land. And you know what God did for his 
for his children. He, he unloaded from heaven, the Bible calls it manna, bread that dropped on the ground every night. And then in the morning when they would wake up, they would go out and they would scoop up the bread. They would gather and it was just enough bread. They were instructed, only gather enough bread for today. And of course, as human nature would have it, Worry set in and fear set in. And, you know, what if this is the last load of bread God's going to give? And what if God doesn't come through? I know he's come through every other day. But what if tomorrow's the day? What if he doesn't come through? And they begin to get into future thinking and worrying. And what if this is the last load of bread? And they actually went out, some of them, and gathered two days' worth of bread in one day. And the next morning they woke up and it had rotted in the sack. Because they were trying to depend on something other than God the last load of bread a Jewish rabbi said he who possesses what he can eat today and says what shall I eat tomorrow is a man of little faith prayer should produce contentment when I pray God meet my needs today I'm making a statement of faith that the God who has so adequately met my needs every other day hasn't changed and he's going to meet my needs today. And I don't even have to start praying about tomorrow. Because tomorrow's not here yet. So we should pray about today. What do we do about tomorrow? Prepare. The Bible tells a story in Proverbs about an ant who will gather and store up things in the summer. So in the winter they'll have enough. So what are we supposed to do? We're, not, we're supposed to pray about today, prepare for tomorrow, but never worry about either one. Never live in fear over either one. James chapter 4 says it this way. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanish. Kind of reminds me of that storm that hit yesterday. You know, James Spann had his coat off for hours. Suspenders there. The storm's coming, the storm's coming, the storm's coming. coming. That thing blew through. I went outside at 6 o'clock and looked up. I thought, where'd it go? It gone. Kind of like a mist. You know what the Bible says? That's what our life is like. It's a mist. It's not anything you can really get your hands on. It blows through and it's gone. So why do we stress so much about tomorrow and next week and next month and next year if our life is just a mist anyway? Jesus is teaching us to live and pray one day at a time. Last year was a, a, a year filled with crisis for our, our family and, uh, and, and in some ways our own leadership here. And so last year, several months ago, the Lord um, put a prayer on my heart that I've been praying every time I pray I've been praying this for months. I'll come to prayer and I'll say, Lord, um, help me to know, like all, all the stuff that I need to do tomorrow or this week or next month or whatever, you know, I push that out of the way. All the stuff I was supposed to finish yesterday that I hadn't gotten done, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with all that, but I'm, I push all that away. Lord, help me to know what to do today like what are the things that I can work on today that would please you the most if you were me what would you do today I can only live today I can't live a week I can't live a month I can't time travel 
I can only live in today. I can only live in this hour. I can only do with what I've got now. And so when you live in crisis long enough, you eventually just sort of give up on getting everything done that you're supposed to get done. And it can be kind of clarifying in a way that you say, okay, God, that ain't going to happen. So what can I do that would, that would um, glorify you the most? What can I do that would um, bring you the most pleasure? And you know what I found as I enter every day with that prayer? I enter the day with more peace and less stress and, uh, and less worry and anxiety. And I kind of have been learning to live in the day a little bit better. So when I live in the present, the present provision of God, the present will of God, the present word of God, the present direction of God, you know what it produces in my life? It produces contentment. Today. Today. Number four. Prayer should remind us of our dependence on God. There's another word kind of like today here. Um, it's the word daily. Give us today our, our daily bread. Why doesn't it say, give us today our annual salary? <laughs> you know, give us today next year's in, end of the year bonus. You know, give us today. Why, do, why, does it, why does it squish it down into today? Well, because prayer should be a daily activity because it reminds us of our dependency on God. And now, as I read this verse and this word, I'm wondering, how are you and I even supposed to understand this? Daily bread sounds something like our grandmother who lived through the Great Depression would pray. You know, back when people uh, struggled a little bit more in a different environment. It sounds antiquated or cute or maybe a little nostalgic, like visiting a relic from a simpler time. Most of us can't even remember a time in our entire life that we were hungry and did not have the ability to access any food. Like most of us. Maybe there's some. I have never had a moment in my entire life when I was hungry and didn't have access to food. I've never experienced that in my entire life. So how are you and I even supposed to understand? There's a fast food restaurant on every corner. Every aisle of every grocery store within a thousand miles is jammed with food. Many Americans will throw away more food than, than people in some countries even have to eat. So how are we even supposed to deal with this part of the prayer, daily bread? Why should I ask for what I already have in unlimited supply? Well, I think you'll agree, gratitude comes hard for people in first world countries. And so does dependency on God. I don't know if, you caught, if you've been following our devotional, but uh, Pastor Jeremy put a great quote in, I think it was on Friday from Tim Keller, that said this, to pray is to accept that we are and always will be wholly dependent on God for everything. Prayer reminds me that I'm as dependent on God as my body is for food or water. See, when God created us, he made us with so many needs. You ever thought about that? I mean, in order to, to, to resource an individual human life, it takes a lot. Like, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of the right kind of conditions. You need food. You need water. You need air. You need sleep. You need relationships. You need sunlight. It takes a lot to get a human being up to a, a, a sustainable place of health. 
You can live a few weeks without food. You can live a few days without water. You can live a minute or two without air, maybe a little longer. I wonder how long you can live without prayer. We don't think about it like that. Maybe one of the reasons that God created us with so many physical needs is to remind us uh, that our greatest need is of Him. If we tried to go without food as long as we go without prayer, we wouldn't be very healthy. We might even be sickly. We might even die. Maybe a way for us to register our need for God is not through our physical needs because most of us don't feel Our physical needs are so adequately met that we don't feel our physical needs. That's one of the reasons we fast, so we can feel something, because it's a reminder. But how might we apply this prayer? Well, I think maybe what we could do is apply it to our impulses. So we have an impulse to buy something, uh, to be dissatisfied, to be discontent. We feel fear or worry or anxiety or pressure or frustration or discontentment or or uh, 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 misunderstood expectations. The desire to buy and to spend. The, maybe the next time you look on your phone and that next, tech, that next tech gadget is for sale. And you go, ooh, I want that. Maybe that impulse can be a reminder that the real thing you need is not that next tech gadget. The real thing you need more than anything else is God. That your soul, your spirit, your greatest need is for God. Aren't those all signs, that desire, that limit? Isn't that all signs that we're actually limited and not self-sufficient and do require something bigger than ourselves and are in desperate need of God? We struggle to ask God for daily bread because we're surrounded by food. It's too small of a prayer. I think sometimes we also struggle to ask God for big things because they're too big. Like, uh, think about this. You would, you would probably have a very difficult time praying this prayer. God, our Father, give me today a vacation home. Why does that not sound right? It doesn't sound right, does it? It doesn't sound right because it feels unspiritual. So instead of asking God for a vacation home, because we wouldn't feel right about asking God for that, What we do instead is we look at our finances, we talk to our realtor, we shop online, we go buy one, all without seriously ever asking God what he thinks about it. Now, I'm not saying a vacation home, a second home, a third home is sinful. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that God wants to be involved in every area of our life. So when we pray about things like this, we oftentimes pray something like this. God, help me understand if this is a good financial decision. Because I don't want to waste money. God, help me understand if I can afford it. I don't want to get strapped and, you know, then be overburdened with this thing. Lord, help me to understand if it's too much for us. Those are all good questions, but we rarely ask God the deeper questions like this. Will a second home isolate us from the people you've called us to reach or disciple? Will another home take us away or help facilitate the calling that you've put on our life? Will the additional earthly work of managing the second property steal away from the eternal work that you've called us to? That's a whole different set of questions. In the first set of questions, we want God to be our financial advisor. In the second set of questions, we want him to be our Lord. 
Those are two entirely different things. So we might approach a promotion the same way. It might feel too selfish or too ambitious or too earthly to ask God for a promotion. So what do we do instead? We just, we just work the extra hours, do the extra time, put ourselves in position, and then once we get the promotion, we ask God to bless it. Right? God, this new position that you gave me. And God says, we never talked about this. And these kinds of prayers make us vulnerable and remind us that we're not self-sufficient. These kind of prayers remind us that God wants us to, to, He not only wants to be our Savior, He wants to be our Lord. And how does this surface in our life? I want to just submit to you, this is the stuff daily bread is made out of. So last week I gave you a prayer, uh, it was several of you asked for, so we posted it in our community group, uh, that's just a really good prayer to think about God's will um, being done on earth. What I want to do is I want to read the prayer to you again, but I want you to look through the filter this week of daily bread. If you had a, a, a big thing that you need to ask God about, or a little thing you need to ask God about, how would this prayer sound in that setting? Father, be the king of my life. May my whole life be yours to rule. Be the king of every distracted and destructive part of me, every lustful thought, every ounce of hate and fear until your kingdom fills me. I surrender every well of evil inside of me, and I pray your kingdom will fill their place. I pray your will to be done, your plan, your timing, and your way. Your will is better than mine and better than anyone's. I'm not just submitting to your will. I cry for it in my life. May your will be done in the earth of me. I just want to um, suggest to you that this kind of prayer is what daily bread is about. Daily prayer is asking God to supply and guide you in every decision and resource of your life. Number five, and here's the last word. Prayer is God's invitation to meet our needs. Verse 11 again says, give us today our daily bread. Now, that's, that's an interesting way to say that. Um, why not give us today our daily hamburger? Or what about vegetables and fruits? You know, Panera Bread would be thrilled with a prayer like this. Why, why bread? Well, this is a symbol word. It doesn't mean God just give us bread. It means give us the resources that we need today to do what you called us to do today. That's what it means. It means all the things. <laughs> not just bread, not just food, whatever the resources are, God, meet our needs today in such a way that we can do what you called us to do. So when you're talking to God about your needs, what you're actually doing is you're allowing God to take his rightful place in your life. When you bring your needs to God, what you're actually inviting God to do is glorify himself in your life by meeting your needs, by displaying that his children are well cared for. And every need that you, that you isolate from God and say, this is a different category, I'll work for the promotion on my own, I'll buy the uh, vacation house on my own, I've earned it, it's my right to do it if I want to do it. Every, everything that you move outside of that prayer covering, everything you move outside the Lordship of Christ, you have isolated his ability to glorify himself in it. But every time you say, God, I have this need, 
would, would, you, would you glorify yourself in it? God now has the opportunity to glorify himself by moving into your situation and doing his will on earth as it is in heaven. Several years ago, many years ago, um, our family was in a, a lot of crisis, overwhelmed, unable to meet the needs of our life. And my vehicle broke down. I took it to the shop. And um, I said, man, I, I hope it's not, not a big deal. And I got the phone call from the uh, shop, and they said, hey, it's uh, this vehicle. You got big problems. And uh, here's how much it's going to cost. And, you know, I thought, I thought, I, you know, I'm starting to wonder, like, how much more the vehicle's even worth. You know, it's going to cost a lot of that value and then I thought I can't afford to replace the vehicle or to fix it but I gotta have a vehicle what am I gonna do and so um, I just said thank you and you know I'll call you tomorrow and decide something I don't don't know what I'm gonna do so that night I went home I didn't really know what to do Um, so after dinner I told our family I just said hey uh, this is what happened and you know I don't know what we're gonna do we can't afford to fix it let's just pray so we went in the living room and we, you know, just started to pray. And, and man, you know, when the needs are great, the prayers get better. Have you noticed that? Jesus. Oh, God. You know, maker of heaven and earth. All the reasons. Now would be a fabulous time, you know, to do something awesome. You know, a great need brings great prayer, doesn't it? So we prayed and I said, well... There you go. I, I don't, I don't, it's in God's hands now. I don't know what else to do. So the next morning I got up and I don't remember. I called them and they called me and they said, you know, the most interesting thing happened. Uh, our manager, uh, who had no idea whose vehicle it was, he didn't know. Uh, they just couldn't figure out what was wrong with it and he actually got in it and took it out for, they couldn't figure out all that was wrong, took it for a drive and, um, to try to figure out himself because the mechanics were having trouble with it. And the manager said, when I was driving that vehicle around, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He's a Christian. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Whoever, whoever's vehicle this is, I want you to help them. And so he got on the phone. I went and met him. And he said, um, I want you to know we're, we're going to fix the whole thing. If you'll just pay for the parts, we'll cover everything else. And he didn't know me. And I, you know nobody knew you know what God knew. And you know what happened? When I brought that need to God, you know what it gave God the opportunity to do? He got all the credit. Because I told the manager, I said, well, last night, you know, we gathered in prayer. We didn't know what we were going to do. And he said, well, while you were praying, I guess God was talking to me. So now here we are. And uh, God, this is how God wanted to meet that need. And God got all the credit. And you know what? Every time you bring a need or decision to God, you invite him to glorify himself in your life and he gets all the credit would you just stand with me this morning I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come would you just get to a place you could close your eyes and uh, open your heart if you'll just find a place you can stand for a minute I want to ask you something today wonder how many needs are here wonder how many decisions you have to make this year, this month, today. Some of you today, you might have a need in your finances. You might need a job. 
You might need um, a miracle in a marriage and a relationship that's not working. Looks like it's going to fail. You might have a need between uh, you, you or you and your spouse and your children. Maybe there's a teenager you're struggling to relate to or an adult child. or Maybe there's a work issue. There's a need. Maybe there's a physical need you don't know how to meet. Maybe you're sick in your body. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Can I tell you, Jesus invites you today to bring today's need to Him. And that gives Him all the opportunity to glorify Himself in your life. With every eye closed, if you have a need of some kind today, would you just be honest enough to lift your hand and say, you know what, that's me, I got a need this morning. Just lift your hand up. It, it's kind of a confession to God. God, here I am. I'm not going to try to do this all by myself. I'm not going to be just the self-sufficient, typical individualist. God, I'm going to go ahead and humble myself and admit, come on, just lift your hand and say, I've got a need today. God, i got a need today. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the kind of person that God moves in and touches because we've invited him. We've included him. We've asked him, God, glorify yourself in this need now. With every eye closed in the room, I'm going to begin to pray. And as I do, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come and let one of the prayer team just pray for you. You can say as little as, hey, I've got a specific or a time-sensitive need. Or you can tell the whole need, whatever, whatever you want to do. But here's what's going to happen. We're going to begin to exercise the plurality of prayer. We're not praying alone, but we're saying, God, meet our needs. Give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. May, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in us. And, and as you combine with somebody else, God's going to begin to move in and glorify himself in your life. So as I begin to pray, if you lifted your hand, if you need prayer, you have a need, I want you to come right now and let the prayer team just begin to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask you now that you glorify yourself in the needs in this room. Jesus, you invited us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. And Lord, I know that you gave us that prayer to pray because you have every intention of meeting our needs. And so today, Lord, we lift our needs up to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you as we're praying now that you would draw every person, that you would draw every person that needs prayer today. You draw every person with a big need and a little need and in between, Lord, whatever it is. As the worship team begins to lead us now, if you need prayer, I just want you to come. Meet God today. Meet God fresh inside that need. Maybe you've asked a hundred times, but today's the day. Ask today. The battle belongs to you, Lord. Come on, just sing that with us. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna
moment for a minute the Lord's moving I know we're a little short on prayer team but keep coming we want to pray for you we want to bring every one of these needs to the Lord that that he can glorify himself in. so come on and just lift your voice up and let's stay in this atmosphere for just a couple more minutes you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. us to uh, be to have you glorify yourself in our life lord go with us in grace and peace now and as we journey with you in this 21 days of prayer may your presence um, be manifest in our life in jesus name we pray amen if you need prayer go ahead and continue to come